It's the bottom line on News Radio 610, KONA. From the Tri Cities to Olivia to DC, we break down. Break it all down. The stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser with your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. Welcome into the Bottom Line News Radio 610 K1A. It's hour number two on this Monday afternoon, the 19th of October, 2020. Rob Francis Ed Dawson with you. Going to continue with our candidate forums this hour and joining us in studio, uh, running for re-election in the 8th Legislative District, current Representative Matt Banky. Representative Banky, we appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you for being able to join us. We do want to make mention that Representative Banky's opponent, uh, Larry Stanley was extended an invitation to participate in today's forum, and he was unable to do so. Um, so we unfortunately, we will not have Mr. Stanley here, uh, but he was extended an invitation and was not able to participate. So Representative Banky will give you the floor to make your opening statement. Thanks. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks for having us. Uh, thanks for allowing us the opportunity to uh, to continue on this constitutional path that I believe is the heart of America. You know, my name is Matt Bank and I'm Lee asked for the people's vote during this election. I'm a proud Republican, proud father. I'm from the area. You know, I grew up in public schools here in the Kenwood School District, went off to eastern Washington, had the opportunity to earn to be the top cadet of the state of Washington to go serve my country in the U.S. Army. I served for nine, uh, to 21 years at over 30 places around this globe in multiple different levels of leadership positions in aviation assets with the 82nd Airborne and the 101st Airborne Divisions. Served in combat, served in other places, and I believe that's critical to what we need nowadays, and that's real leadership in our state, real leadership in our positions of government, and to be accountable to the people. we got to remember to get back to the voice of the people does matter. And we've seen this with the initiative that came out this week. We've seen this with the different rulings that we've seen at different agencies and, of course, with the way our governor has treated the people of our state. I believe energy, economy, and education are still my top three issues coming out of COVID. We need to open as safely as we possibly can, and I look forward to our discussions here today. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for your opening statement, Representative Banky. Ed, kick off with question number one. All right. Question number one is uh, we all know the impact that COVID has had throughout the state. Elected officials have been facing tough decisions based on revenue shortfalls. How difficult will it be to address the current shortfalls in the coming session, which will also be at the same time you're crafting a new biennial budget? Well, thanks for the question, Ed. And it is the most important one coming out of here. And I believe what we see that $8.8 billion initial shortfall is coming back better in the forecast from our budget offices. We've had everybody in the state agencies or at least already give us an initial budget assessment of how well they're going to impact into the, the next session. Uh, right now in our committees, we've asked for a reopening session, special session right now, to get back to do what legislators are supposed to be doing. We're doing the work of the people. We should go back there to a assess what's really the impact around the state, around each one of our businesses to get business reopened as soon as possible, to recruit and retain actively industries and businesses to stay in the state, because you've already seen what happened with the governor and Boeing. Don't we could probably discuss that a lot, uh, as well as create an climate that we can attract things here locally. And I want to bring up a couple of things that we've seen, not only in the nuclear energy, but also in our unemployment agencies that we can fix right away 
those things that we can help out with. But as far as the economy, that's got to be our number one. We got to make sure we have job creation. Uh, some of the things I look at instead of the Democrats coming at us of more taxes, I believe we can give tax relief. We can at least waive some of these issues. And I believe at the, the state level, we can do what we've seen federally, allow that payroll uh, tax to be subsided, to allow that relief to, to the businesses and get them to reopen and maybe even waive some of the uh, B&O taxes we've seen in the past couple sessions, because I think it hits too much on the core businesses' functions here in our state and in our communities. Representative Matt Pakey joining us for our candidate forum, focusing on the 8th Legislative District here on the bottom line. News Radio 610 K1A. You mentioned Boeing, Representative Pakey. We'll actually jump to that question. As the Seattle area has created an increasingly difficult business environment, Boeing had to ask the legislature to revoke its special tax rate to end their issues with the WTO. The Boeing decision is going to cost revenue. What do you feel is the best path forward to creating a better business environment on both sides of the mountains? I believe we've got to work in uh, nonpartisan bicameral opportunities to reach out to agencies like that. We've got to turn this ship around to be more positive climate and allow those opportunities to stay here in the state. We have to reach out instead of what the governor says Boeing has bullied us. Uh, words like that, I think, are aggressive to other agencies and send a message out to that second and third order effect to businesses that want to support, uh, whether it's airframes, the electricians, the mechanics, and things in those industries, aerospace for a big one. I think we can become leaders on that. I've ran three of my first bills in the last sessions were on space, aerospace industries, and manufacturing to create jobs bring jobs back here and keep jobs here for a long term. We have opportunities where we can throw out to Boeing of saying we can't give you some relief on the taxes, but you have to stay here. You have to keep these lines here and you have to do that for a long term plan. And that will then send, I believe, messages of a positive aspect to every other agencies around the world and around the nation to showcase we're still number one in the, the nation. We want to attract and recruit more of those industries. And to make sure that we have this well stated on the record, the initial tax break that was offered to Boeing was not asked for by Boeing. It was offered by the state of Washington through Governor Gary Locke's office and the state legislature to offer them that tax break back in, I believe it was 2003. And that tax break has been renewed by ensuing administrations up until the point that it created an issue with the World Trade Organization. So this was not Boeing asking the state for a break. This was the state offering it to Boeing in a good faith gesture, which we've seen that is what has transpired since 2003 regarding Boeing and its relationship with the state of Washington. So we want to make sure that that is out there clear that it wasn't Boeing that asked for it. It was the state that offered it in the beginning. Next question. Uh, We touched on uh, COVID-related issues as far as the budget goes. What do you feel is the biggest uh, non-COVID-related issue, not just facing the state, but specifically your district? Specifically here, great question. I think it's digital equity. When we go to things moving online with remote learning, remote work, telehealth, a lot of different agencies are looking at the opportunities that we can do from home or even distance areas that we used to do in a building that we're now seeing a creative mix of pivoting to where I can then go with e-commerce. I can have my workers work at home. We can have different areas of that. I believe we need to plus up those areas in our rural communities, especially in eastern Washington, that don't have the connectivity or don't have the speeds that the rest of the United States have. We are working with the broadband office here in the state of Washington and ensure we have high-speed Internet into everybody's home, at least that 
access and the availability to do that. A lot of companies are fighting us on that, and we're trying to work with them to ensure there's incentivized work to get more of that cable, that connectivity out to our individuals who can do that. I believe once you do that, then education can raise up. We can all have access to more information. Then the capabilities is really up to the individual. If you have pride in yourself, you want to go for a degree, you can do that. If you want to get your K-12, through you have an option to do that as well. Or even that private school and some of the charter schools that are out there will have the opportunity to then uh, explore those areas that we can expand our networking, expand the areas, and even create jobs for our communities. Next question, Representative Banky. The governor's emergency powers have become a point of contention in many areas of the state. State legislature has been left out of the COVID decision-making process. How much input should the legislature have in a declared state of emergency, and are there areas it should specifically be focused? Yes, there should be input in the the governor's special emergency powers. So, A, the governor, is, it's supposed to be that uh, bicameral uh, balance of powers across the board of the three branches of government. And what we saw here basically was a dictator. After 14 days flattening the curve, it continued on, and it still is to this day. We've been asking for a a special session to make sure we go in to do our job at the voice of the people and get back to work on what we can do. And to your other piece, I believe we need to limit those powers, no matter who's in office, whether it's a Republican, Democrat, no matter which side of it, to ensure they are still meeting the requirements of the people that have supported them and, and got them into office. And I believe... That alone is a big piece that we can fight on right now. We can do it immediately and have an effect uh, across the board. Budget, as well as the economy and things that are going to be hitting us here in the 21 session. One follow-up question real quickly, because it seemed like a number of the proclamations that the governor made directly impacted the budgetary process, which is the legislature's responsibility. Is there anything that you would support in a, in this coming session or in a future session that would further define the responsibilities of the governor's office and the legislature when it comes to a state of emergency. Yeah, I'd put a timeline on things that it would have to then trigger into a special session automatically that gets us back there no matter what happens. So I, you have 15 days or you have 30 days to go into this. If there's not been a decision made, then we immediately go into a special session and then we can look at that individual issue that comes up, whether it's economy, whether it's COVID, whether it's opening up, any issue that could present itself. And before we get to our next question, I want to remind you, if you and the listening audience have a question for Representative Banky, you can fire it off to us through our website, 610k18.com, the bottom line page, your name where you're listening, and what you'd like to say. And if it's pertinent, we will ask Representative Banky your question. One other thing that uh, almost assuredly will come up in this next session is an income tax. Um, because of the COVID-19 situation, loss of revenue uh, being uh, the catalyst for that. Uh, Will you openly support an income tax for Washington State, or are there any conditions that could be met for you to support such a move? No, and I appreciate the question. I'm not a tax guy. I believe there's opportunities and we can give more tax relief instead. I think we have a spending problem, and our priorities across the state have shown this in covid that we can then eliminate when even the governor says he can 
across the board put 15% uh, cutbacks in every agency, and I believe we can do that. We can at least be a little bit more surgical in the areas we're in there, but I want to be clear that I'm not for an income tax. Even the cap and trade has come up, as well as even the road usage charge as part of the gas tax because we're seeing some of the, the limitations on because people aren't on the roads. We don't have that gas tax coming into our coffers as well. But I, I do believe we have a spend problem still in the state, and we can showcase that of how we prioritize the budget. Okay, we'll take, take a time out to uh, dive in to see if there's any other questions from the audience. And we'll uh, talk more with Representative Matt Banky, the incumbent in District Number 8, running for re-election. This is the bottom line, News Radio 610, KONA. Can't get in by phone? Give us your bottom line through email. Send your thoughts from the bottom lines page at 610kona.com. Back to the bottom line with Robin Ed, presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser on News Radio 610kona. Bottom line, News Radio 610kona. Welcome back to our candidate forum this Monday afternoon, focusing on the 8th Legislative District. And joining us in studio is the incumbent. Representative Matt Benke, uh, Representative Benke's opponent, Mr. Larry Stanley, did receive an invitation to join us in the forum today, and unfortunately he was unable to attend. So Representative Benke will jump back into the questions. Um, Washington State is very proud of leading the nation on the mail-in voting front. Yet recently a number of ballots were discovered in Snohomish County in garbage bags, and an investigation is ongoing. Taking into account that theft of ballots can occur, what can be done? to further strengthen our election security as each cycle becomes more and more important. Well, you know my background in uh, technology field, and I believe we can leverage innovation and technology on how we can then track the actual ballot itself, whether it's digital signatures, whether we chip it like we do cards. There's ideas that are being floated out there now to increase our election security. I believe Secretary Wyman has done a good job enough to set things in motion right now. And I think a couple of weeks ago, we'd already seen activation of the National Guard cyber teams, even public-private partnerships to support when we do this. But it's always highly critical and advisor of like what I did. When you fill it out, go right to the ballot box, drop it off, so you know you have complete chain of custody of that ballot and the way that controls it right into the individuals to where the election authorities have that. When you see any kind of proprieties like that, make sure you report it. Make sure you let everybody know what's going on. But it's like all hands on deck, all eyes and ears are out there to ensure they're reporting what's going on in this community. But I think technology is probably the best answer coming back to where we can leverage different ways of whether it's a digital signature or chipping it or different ways we can handle that control of custody of that document a lot better than we're doing right now. Along those same lines, much has been made about a possible move uh, voting to an online or even a mobile platform to increase accessibility. Do you believe that that would increase or compromise the election security? And uh, would you support this move? Uh, why or why not? I, I don't mind looking into it, Ed. It's a great question. Being a technology guy, I, I'm just one of those old school guys. And the more I learn and teach in the technology field, there's so many things that the criminal island can be involved in with this digital online 
atmosphere that we're living in and the new communities of being digitally and being online. Uh, I believe we can go back to the old school of people walking in, standing in line, and then voting like I used to do at Hawthorne Elementary School when I got my first voter card. I remember that day. wasn't that long ago. I do have some gray hairs and stuff, but I remember that opportunity where you come together as a community. You have hot dogs. You have popcorn. You have things that actually bring it to light that you get more engagement sometimes of going back to the old school way of doing things. I think the more and more we go down this path of technology and things that are coming together, that we're losing the focus as Americans of being Americans. And the way I was raised and the core values that we need to have in honesty, integrity, uh, discipline, dedication of service, and dedication to the nation that we're citizens for, that I think this is the next way we need to get back to becoming Americans again, come out of COVID, standing up for your rights and your rights as individuals that are part of this election process. Representative Banky, follow-up question on the election situation. Um, are there bills that could be introduced in this legislative session to deal with election security? And what are some of the things um, that you would be willing to support, knowing full well that increased election security is going to cost money? It is going to be a revenue uptick, Um or it's going to be a cost uptick, excuse me. Um, what are some of the things that you feel would be worth supporting and worth asking taxpayers to, or letting taxpayers know there's going to be an additional hit to you to increase election security? What are some of those things that you feel that would be worth asking taxpayers to put a little bit more out for? Well, you know me, I'm, I'm not for adding more burdens onto an already increased tax burden on the individual. So do my best to keep that revenue neutral or even less to where we can find opportunities of centralizing our systems to where we can then minimize the security or the risk on the ballots being harvested or even in trash cans on our trash bags on the side of the road. We got to maintain that uh, ability, whether it's utilizing GPS equivalent of signals of who's got each one of these through a chip, where they're actually located when they go out through our postal system and trust government employees to do their job, hold them accountable and really be transparent. I believe in a Across the process of when you look up and see where your ballot's at to know where it's at and going. We do it in UPS. We do it in FedEx. The different ways the packages are being treated. Why can't we do that in our ballot system all the way from point A to point B? We can add additional security. We call it defense in depth of where you maintain different things of having a biochip or then you can have a thumbprint or different things that you can allow uh, another layer of identity to ensure that it's you and only you making that vote. And then that vote is then insured all the way through the process back to the counters and everybody who's checking those ballots to make sure your ballot is counted at the end. So there's several ways of doing these things, but I believe uh, keeping it neutral on the tax front is, is a big key. But we do have areas we can go back to and look at that to make sure it's our top priority and it should be. All right. Representative Banky, the final few. Yeah, about a minute, minute and a half left. Uh, why don't you give us your uh, closing statement? One last appeal to the voters out there. Well, thanks, Ed, and thank you, Rob, for you guys having us here today. Uh, sorry my opponent couldn't make it, but I appreciate anybody who steps up and runs for office. So I thank Larry Stanley for being a part of this and getting the voice of the people back here again. I humbly ask for your vote again for re-election. It's my first one. I learned a lot in the last two sessions, and I want to continue this process. We are in an economic crisis. We are dealing with all types of issues coming out of this COVID. This is an incredibly challenging time for all of us, so I ask individuals to be patient. 
at least we can expect from our elected leaders to listen to you, to listen to your concerns, to voice these concerns at the state, and to really fight for you, whether it's the unemployment funds that are a critical time to protect you from a Nigerian crime cyber hack to leading collaboration with local business leaders to fighting to reopen. We need experienced leadership now more than ever who has fought for this country for your rights and liberties and continue to fight for these rights and liberties at the local, regional, and state level. So I appreciate your time. I appreciate your vote. Look out for me at VoteForBinky.com and make sure you uh, get those ballots in as soon as possible. Representative Matt Banky, the 8th Legislative District, the incumbent, thank you for taking part in our candidate forum today. We appreciate you being here, and best of luck in your race. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it again. Thank you very much. Take a time out. Back with more of The Bottom Line after this. Now back to The Bottom Line on News Radio 610 KONA. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610. You can also email the program by going to the website 610kona.com. Go to the bottom line page. And send us your question or your comment. Again, uh, special thanks to Representative Matt Banke in our uh, candidate forum tomorrow uh, on the docket in the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, the other race for the uh, representative of the 8th District, uh, the incumbent Brad Clippert and challenger Shira Gev scheduled to uh, be with us uh, tomorrow. We've got, uh, we've got candidate forums all this week. And a couple of next week uh, so far and uh, leading up to the election and uh, hopefully a chance for you to make a more informed decision. Uh, That's what it's all about. And uh, whomever you vote for, um, make sure that it is an informed decision. You want to feel good about who you are voting for. 547-1610-509-547-1610. Um, if you'd like to uh, talk about that, uh, the voting process, or anything else uh, that we had mentioned uh, before, uh, you're welcome to do so. You can also email us again, 547-1610 is the number. The email is going to the website, 610kona.com. Uh, go to the bottom line page and send us your question uh, or your comment. Now, I'll uh, I'll pull the curtain back a little bit Uh I uh, I filled out my ballot. My wife filled out her ballot uh, last night, and we dropped it off in one of the um, bins for uh, f- the the election uh, bins. And uh, so that that's already done. That's that's done with. We voted, and you know I I try to be pretty honest on this program, and uh, I'll I'll be honest. Um, I once again had a mixed ballot. There were some D's, there were some R's, and there were some races that I really struggled with and uh, had to hold my nose while filling in the bubble. Uh, but I, I was, I, I, I thought that I would have a lot tougher time this time around because of how divisive politics has become. Uh, but, uh, you know, Rob, I was thinking last night and I was talking with my wife after we were done uh, filling out our ballots that this actually in in reality was about 
the same as what I've gone through in in other years, uh, being, you know, debating between candidates and, you know, feeling really good about some and not so great about others, lesser of two evils, you know, whatever you want to say. So at least I didn't feel any more or less, you know, strange about filling out uh, filling out the ballot. Have you filled out your ballot yet? No, I haven't. Okay. Um, I have not filled my ballot out yet, but but I am not going to, and I, I don't mean this to be um, conspiratorial in any any fashion, <laughs> but I'm not going to give it to the post office. Yeah. Um, no, I we I dropped my wife's and mine off uh, in, in the Dropbox and just directly into so that the auditor's office people get it directly. Look, you know, there are there's enough concern that people should be worried about what the what the what's going to happen with their ballot. Um, and I hate to say that, but but all it takes are a couple of bad situations to make it a possibility. And what happened in Sammamish in Snohomish County with garbage bags being found with ballots and the, the there's a real question into a theft investigation regarding those ballots. We talked about the guy that sat down with the New York Post who's been doing this for three decades. This is, this is a reality. And there's only so much, let's be clear, there's only so much the Secretary of State's office can do. There's only so much that the legislature can do. They can't do anything about a group or an organization that does this as a pastime or a hobby, that steals ballots, changes things, so on and so forth. They can only put laws and protections in place that can try and and and, and hinder them. So if somebody steals a ballot right now in Washington State, they can make as many copies of the ballot as they want, fill it out however they want, and as long as they've got your information with your signature and everything on the security envelope, they just put it back in after they steam it. And they reseal it, and they send it back in, and your ballot has just been changed to their ballot with your signature and everything else on it. Yes, that can happen in Washington State. This uh, actually just coming down, breaking uh, news, and it comes from your home state. The U.S. Supreme Court is going to allow uh, Pennsylvania to count ballots received up to three days after the election, uh, rejecting the Republican plea. But it is noteworthy that the justices were divided 4-4 on this. But it has to be postmarked by Election Day. Correct. And that's the, that's the most important thing. And, and this, this is the one thing where I will disagree with, with those that are following lawsuits in this regard. Because it's the same thing in our state. Yeah, it has to be postmarked. It has to be postmarked. And there are ballots that were rejected. Yes, because uh, they weren't postmarked in time. They came in late. I got one of those in the primary. Yeah? I got one of those in the primary. Put it. I said it. I think I. I thought I put it in early. I think it two days, and I got it back in the primary. Said that it was one day late mm. on the postmark, and that's why it was rejected. Okay, I understand that as my fault. As long as it is postmarked by election day, yes, it should be counted. And yes, if mail takes two to three days to get there, as long as the postmark is election day, you have voted on election day. There's nothing wrong with that. All. There's nothing wrong with giving a couple extra days to make sure those ballots come in. Now, if somebody at the post office is turning back the meter a day and postmarking ballots late, that's a problem. Right. And the post office, by the way, 
is not stamping ballots at 11.58 in the evening. No. So the post office is done at the end of the workday. If your ballot's in at 5 o'clock on Election Day, the polls, by the way, and I'll just throw this out there. What is the difference between going and voting at the polls at 7 p.m. at night or dropping your ballot off at 5 p.m. at the post office to get postmarked for the same day? Nothing. I have I have an answer. We talked okay. about it briefly last week, but I have I have a possible answer. But first, let's go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? You're up. All right. Well, give us a call back. 547-1610 is the number. And this, to me, might be something that this country could look at, okay? And you know me. I'm always looking for a compromise where we can have the the flexibility of of what the mail-in ballot provides while also having the in-person security measures and the quote-unquote good old days of going to the polls. And it's this. Let's do what a few other countries do and have polls open for a week. Have polls open for Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday if you want. And then... At the end of the time period, if you if you can't if you can't get to a polling place in six or seven days, including a weekend, then that's on you. So maybe that is a way where we have the flexibility, which is important yeah. too, but also have the security of in person voting. Let's go back to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Nope, they didn't want to hang with us. Let's go to this line. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Oh, Sparky Matilla. Hi, Sparky. What's up? Hey, going back to your first segment, uh, first hour. Oh, before before that, was it Rob that came back? Yeah. What's up, Sparky? I tell you, it was almost dull. There was no Rand or Raven or anything all the time you were gone. I, Thanks, I Sparky. <laughs> I, I almost fell asleep. I almost fell asleep. Hey, anyway, you're on the first uh, first hour. Love you too, Sparky. <laughs> <laughs> did did wow? Did, it, was it was it was it is it protocol that the AG writes up that thirty dollar tab initiative, or did Tim Iman just uh, not let them do it? No, he it's could have done it himself uh, because it sounds to me like it was a rigged rigged deal. No, okay. The way the way it works, Sparky, is the Attorney General's office writes for all initiatives. They write the ballot title for every single initiative, regardless of whose it is. It is their responsibility because they are the legal arm of the Washington State government. So they are supposed to write the ballot titles to make sure that they don't run into any legal snafus. <laughs> You're up on the bottom line. News Radio six ten K. When hey, what's your name? Where are you calling from? HVAC. What's up? I'm just happy to hear your voice, man. Jeez Louise, guys. It's been a draw the last time. I'm just kidding. Um, I just wanted to say, yeah, that uh, $30 initiative. I, haven't we voted on it more than once that we wanted it? And isn't Jay Inslee's always saying that we don't know what we're voting for? Isn't that what he normally comes up with? Uh, he, he likes to throw out the line that people uh, people don't know nearly as much as the government does. But, yeah, it was uh, twice. It was 20 years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. The first time that the yeah. uh, initiative was put out there and it was shot down. And so, well, it passed, but then it was overturned, I believe. Yeah. And then, and wasn't it the legislature that overturned it? 
Because I know Gary Locke, when it was the first time it was passed, Gary Locke gave the legislature the directive to make sure this initiative gets into law. And then something went down that, oh, that, that, that threw it out of whack. And then this was kind of bringing it back into place. But, again, when the decision that came down from the uh, state Supreme Court says misleading ballot title as well as, you know, it's not a single issue... Well, that, that second part falls on the Attorney General's office, not on Tim Iman. The first part falls on Iman, and that was enough to disqualify it alone. But having the state Supreme Court say misleading ballot title, that's on that's that's on the Attorney General's office, and that shouldn't happen. Hook up with the bottom line on Twitter at bottom line six ten. Now back to the show presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA, CBD American Shaman across from the Great Elevator on Clearwater in Kennewick. Stop by and make sure you check out all of the water soluble products that CBD American Shaman has for you. Look, it does not make a difference uh, what it is that you are experiencing pain wise because they have something that can help you find relief. Uh, CBD American Shaman, 100% all natural. They stand behind it with their 100% money back guarantee. Whether the bottle is full, half full, or empty, Bring it back if you're not satisfied within 30 days, and you will get a 100% money-back refund from CBD American Shaman. They stand behind their product. They're there from the seed to the shelf. Check them out across from the Great Elevator on Clearwater in Kennewick. 547-1610 is the number if you want to get involved. But I want to talk a bit about this issue in Snohomish County, Ed. Okay. Because this is troublesome. And this is not the first place we've seen it. We've had reports from South Carolina. We've had reports from Pennsylvania. We've had reports in North Carolina. We have had reports in the Midwest. We have had reports on the West Coast. And now we've got it in Snohomish County, where you've got ballots that have been removed, um, whether from people's mailboxes or whatever, but have found in places they shouldn't be found. We've had issues with ballots being sent as duplicates. We've had a number of issues with this process. Now, Washington State is supposed to be the state that is heads and shoulders above all this. Now, granted, this doesn't fall on the Secretary of State. It doesn't fall on the legislature. It doesn't fall on anybody in this regard. But this is a real issue. When you can take the ballot from somebody's mailbox, you can open up the envelope, you can replace the ballot, and you can have their signature and their sworn date and, then, and, and, and witness signature, whatever else that goes with it, put back in that security envelope and send to the state that is a problem. That is not secure. That is not secure in any way, shape, or form. Licking an envelope, not secure. Because you can steam it open. And you can reseal it. Okay? That's not the definition of secure. The definition of secure is having a barcode that has to be scanned that is either for an indiv- that is for each individual voter it is having a watermark on the ballot. It is having a chip on the ballot. It begins with the ballot itself. The envelope, in my opinion, waste of paper. The security envelope's nice so that people can't see who you voted for. But if you can remove the ballot and replace it, the security envelope doesn't do crap. Doesn't do crap to protect your ballot or your vote. Nothing. The ballot itself is where it starts. Where you put all the offices is where it starts. Where people have to fill in the circle is where it starts. 
And there has to be more protection on that piece of paper than in any other part of the process. Otherwise, you still have a non-secure election process. And if you want to disagree with me, bring it. Because I'll tell you right now, there is nothing that protects the security of the election stronger in a mail-in or absentee situation than the piece of paper that the, the offices are printed on. All the envelopes in the world don't do squat. If you think differently, bring it. 547-1610. That's where it has to start in the state of Washington. Another developing story we want to pass along to you is the uh, the debate coalition for the presidential debates has adopted some new rules. One of which, <laughs> one of which, geez, I wonder where this came from, is to mute microphones to allow Trump and Biden two minutes of uninterrupted time per segment. Now, remember what I said earlier in the program. We we talked about the the debates slated for Thursday night. That's if. It happens because the debate coalition wanted the last presidential one to be uh, remote because of fears of COVID. And the president said, nope. So if both parties don't agree to the muted mics, then could not be another debate. Who knows? Got time for one more call. Let's go to the line uh, to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? My name is Alex. I'm calling from Sunnyside. What's on your mind, Alex? I have a quick question. Can you explain the Electoral College for me, or is it just the representatives, the representatives of the state? Is it just their vote, the one that counts, or is it the people? And I'll listen up to you. Thank you. You got it, Alex. The Electoral College is easy. It's a breeze. The Electoral College, simply enough, is the popular vote of the state with the exception of two states, and one is Maine and one is Nebraska, and they have a slightly different awarding of, I believe, one to three electoral votes in those states. But the other 48 states, the popular vote of the residents of that state determine where the electoral votes go, which is why it is done in that process, and it's not a popular vote throughout the country. It is the popular vote in each state that determines the awarding of electoral college votes. So it is winning the most states by popular vote, not winning the popular vote throughout the country is how it's determined. I hope that makes sense, Alex. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610 K1A. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Jeff from Costco. What's up, Jeff? Hey, speaking of the uh, debates, I thought uh, somebody posted something on Facebook one time about having Judge Judy be the uh, moderator for it. <laughs> That'd be awfully interesting, to say the least, though. They'd have to pay her a lot of money, I think. Yeah. I think they'd have to pay her a lot of money. And you know what? And with no disrespect, I don't even think she could have stopped that runaway freight train last time. No, that was there was no question. That was a calculated um that was a move. There's no doubt about it. That was it. a move, no doubt. No. It, but in and then and then Biden started doing it too. So I mean Trump started it and Biden joined in and so yeah, so the debate commission says, well, we'll just mute their mics. Um, see how that goes. Um, I don't know. It's just, I mean, it's just one more thing, you know, for the hashtag 2020 that we've got going on. And it's like, I think seriously, Ed, I'll ask this for the umpteenth time. Is there anything that either of those men can say that will sway you at this point? I'm sure there's undecideds, but I, I think it's probably 
people that are trying to choose between the lesser of two evils. Are you really, are, I mean, if you're leaning one way, are you going to vote for the other person? Is there anything out there that could change your mind that dramatically? I don't think so. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe emails on a laptop? Honestly, I don't think that would sway the Biden supporters. For the for the hardcore, no. For those that are concerned about our federal government being involved in illicit deals, yeah, I think there could be some that might feel that that is a little bit more of a priority to protect. 